Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Two men were called on in a large classroom, and they were asked to recite the 23rd Psalm. One of the men, if you will, was a published orator. He was trained in speech technique, and he was trained in drama. He repeated the psalm in a powerful way. And when he finished, the audience cheered and even asked for an encore that they might hear his wonderful voice again. The other man, who was much, much older, well, he repeated the same words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But when he finished, no sound came from the large class. Instead, people sat in a deep mood and devotion and prayer. The first man, the orator, stood to his feet and said, I have a confession to make. The difference between what you have heard, just heard from my old friend, and what you heard from me is this. I know the psalm. My friend knows the shepherd. Guys, as we pick up our study, remember, Jesus is teaching about exactly that. He's talking about being the good shepherd, the good shepherd, if you will, right? He is the good shepherd, and in the first 11 verses, Jesus describes to us the difference between a city sheepfold and a country sheepfold, but not in direct context. He doesn't say, hey, this is a city sheepfold and this is a country We have to do some study in the culture that Jesus was in at this point. Everybody understood the sheepfolds. They knew a city sheepfold. They knew a country sheepfold. So he just begins to teach. Well, we have to do some study because we're 2,000 years removed from even, even what? Even seeing sheep, right? Even having real shepherds. So we have to go, okay, let's do some work. Well, Jesus comes up and he says, listen, I want to I want to go ahead and, 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 and I want to show you and I want to I want to tell you what it means. In the first five verses, Jesus tells us that he is the shepherd and he knows his sheep and his sheep hear his voice. If you were here last week, you recall that's exactly what he said. In the first five verses, we can see that it was the city sheepfold. Note with me. He says, most assuredly, I say to you. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up another way is the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Your attention, please. That's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, listen, in the city, the shepherd takes his sheep and he puts them together with other sheep and called a city a sheepfold. There is a doorkeeper. The doorkeeper says, okay, I'm just going to make sure that only sheep go in there. The doorkeeper doesn't allow wolves or anything else, right? And they allow him. And then in the morning, when the shepherd comes back, he calls his sheep and the other sheep come out. That's what you need to understand. They hear his voice and they go, oh, that's my shepherd. And so they follow him out and he takes his sheep 
out the door. They followed. The doorkeeper is just one that makes sure that nobody other than the shepherd can go in there. You go, well, Ben, there's a lot of sheep, isn't there? Isn't there? He says, yes. Now, sometimes a stranger will come and want to take somebody else's sheep, but the Bible just says that those sheep don't hear his voice and they won't follow him. Here's what I want you to note about this. In the first five verses, here's what I want you to see, guys, and I want you to apply it to your life. You go, what's that? It says in verse 4 that he brings out his own sheep and he goes before them. Do you understand that? He's, he's going before them, right? You go, what would be the contrast of that? Well, if the shepherd went inside the city sheepfold and took a rod or a whip and drove his sheep out, that's not the same as following him. You picture your mind, a shepherd who, who has to drive his sheep means he's going to lead them, if you will, not really lead them, but he's going to try to drive them with fear and with, with, with pain. Come on, you got to go. Get out. It's time to get out of here. And that's not what Jesus is painting here. He's painting a picture where he goes, hey, let's go. You're my sheep. Come on. And we go, oh, that's my shepherd. And we literally follow him. We, we, that's us. We're just going, oh, I, it's time for me to go. We need to understand that there's a difference from being driven. Oh, right? Why? Here's why. Listen, listen. In Christianity, sometimes you go, hey, you need to give your life to the Lord. And you give your life to the Lord. You've got all these rules of do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts. And we're like, oh, I don't know if I want Christianity. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not a bunch of rules of do, do's and don'ts. And you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't look like this. Christianity is there's their shepherd. Follow him. And he'll do the work. He'll do the work in your life. And so again, think about it. Verse 4, and when he brings them out, right? He says, the stranger, they won't follow a stranger. They won't follow a stranger. So he's talking about the what? The city sheepfold. And in verses 7 through 11, he describes to us a little bit different. He describes to us a country sheepfold. Okay? City kind of like a big parking garage, country, it's way out there. We're far from home. And out in the country, notice what it says in verse 11. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So he's talking about the country sheepfold, okay? The country sheepfold is when they're out in the country and they would find these enclosures about yay high, okay? They'd be about this high, high enough so the sheep can't see over, okay? And there would be like, there would be like, um, Sometimes just some briar and some wire over that so that the enemy couldn't come over, okay? And there'd be four walls, and then in the country sheepfold, there would be one opening, one little opening, no longer than the length of a man, no longer than about four or five feet, maybe four feet, just enough for the sheep to go in. And then what he says, right? Jesus says, most assuredly, I am the door. You guys remember how that worked, right? He'd get the sheep and he'd bring him in. And I always picture this. Let's just say this is the sheepfold, okay? Here's the opening. Then he said, I would lay down right here. I would lay down to make sure that the sheep were safe. You got to keep that in mind. He says, I am the door. And that's so, so significant, right? Think about this. He says, again, Anybody else comes in, they're going to try to come over. They're at. The only way you're going to get to the sheep is if you go through the door. And I'm the door. I'm the door. Now, here's what I want you to see. Think about it spiritually. What does that mean? Okay? So, here's the shepherd. He's gathering the sheep. He's following them. And he's going, hey. And he's, he knows their names. Hey. Right? Come on. Come on over here. Come on. And they're moving him through. And he runs them through there. Then he lays down. I want you to think. What does that mean? Okay? 
Here's what you need to understand. When it comes to sheep, sheep will not rest unless they feel the proximity of the shepherd. If they see their shepherd, ah, then they're good. Then they're good, right? So he drives in a sheep, and then he lays down right here. Now, what does that mean to us? It means protection. It means I feel safe. I feel safe. Why? Because, listen, there's... I. Okay, first of all, I'm not going to wander off because I can't. If I'm going to try to get out, it's going to be through the shepherd. He's not going to let me go. Why? He has a staff, he has a club, and he also has a sling. And so if I happen to sneak out, right, because we're sneaky little sheep, so we're sneaky little, we go, man, we start running this way, the shepherd's going to go, hey, oh, okay, sorry, and then we're going to come back. So it speaks of protection, and it speaks of but here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Very interesting, okay? Very interesting. What happens in the sheepfold? What happens in the sheepfold? You guys realize that if the shepherd is the door and the enemy can't get in and I can't get out, what happens in the sheepfold? Y'all have to get along. Do you see that? He says that, listen... There's not, listen, he says, he's not saying in your mind, he's not going, okay, now over here we have a holiday in sheepfold and then we have a comfort in sheepfold and over here for you people we have, he says, we're all in this together. He puts us all together. Why? Because he's called us to do life together and inside the country sheepfold, he wants us to do life, to get along, to, to walk with each other, right? Those sheep aren't going, I don't know about you. I'm just going to stand over here until the shepherd, all morning long, I'm going to, he's not doing that, right? He says, listen, we're all different. And he says, okay, get along, get along. And so we're over here going, you know, here's this sheep, here's, hey, hey, how's it going? How are you doing in here? Good. Did you have a good day? Good. How are you? And, and that's what we're doing inside the sheepfold. Do you guys understand that? In the body of Christ, that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to, what? To do life together. Remember this. Inside the country sheepfold and even on the beautiful pastures where the sheep there we're not their sheep aren't judging each other. They're not going, well, you know what? That sheep that sheep didn't like the way I was dressed today. That sheep just called me. They don't. They're just they're doing life together. When are we gonna learn from sheep? Right? Jesus says, Man, I am the door. I am, I mean, think about what he's saying spiritually. I'm safety, I'm security. What does that mean to us? Jesus as the door means that none of his sheep can get out without going through him. Can I get an amen? None of those who want to get hurt or who want to hurt us can get into us unless they go through Jesus first. You see that? We can't get out and the enemy can't get in. Now, I don't know if you find comfort in that, but I do. You go, why? Here's what he's saying. Jesus saying to y'all, to me and to every one of us, I am the door. The enemy is not going to hurt you. Anybody, anything that happens to you has to go through me first. You understand that? You go, whoa, what are you saying? Here's what it is, right? Everything we go through is father filtered because he is the door. He is the door. Okay, I once heard someone say, because of God's providence and the wonderful sovereign love, everything that happens to me is father filtered. And I think that's good. 
You go, what does that mean? That means the good, the bad, and the ugly, it's all father-filtered. Nothing comes into my life that's a surprise to God. Your attention, please remember this, okay? In Santos' teaching on Wednesday, he declared to us, when we go out and we get outside the sheepfold, when we walk away from our shepherd and we do what we want to do because we want to do it, and there's consequences in our life, that's different than from what happens to you that has to go to God first. Does that make sense? Okay? But everything that happens to you is no surprise to the Lord. He, he's, he's the door. He says, nobody's going to hurt my sheep. They have to come through me first. You go, okay, so everything's fathered, filtered. So, so Ben, what is this about then, right? Because, because I've been through some trials, and, and this is tough. Here it is. You ready? It's my desire to get to the point, guys, when I'm in the midst of a trial or a tribulation or a hardship that I don't look to God for what he can do for me. But I look for his face and his presence in my life. Think about it. Whenever I go through a trial, you guys do too. Can, can we be honest in church? Here, here's what we do. Whenever we're in a trial, we're praying, God, fix it. Take care of it. I want out. This is hard. I'm done. And we're praying to the Lord, please, Lord, I'm in this trial. This is going on. This is happening. And we want it done. My God loves me so much that he says, no, here's what I want you to do. Don't be so quick to say, God, take it. But God, where are you in this? I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to feel you. I want to feel you. The message that I preached on Wednesday night was this. God sometimes gives you the, doesn't give you the change you ask for. He gives you the change you need. Right? Here's the thing. Now, listen, I can say this because, because my wife is healthier than I am probably today. But when she was diagnosed with cancer, the change I was praying for was take it away. Take it away. You go, Ben, that's Captain Obvious. Amen. But what God did in her was he reflected his presence in her life in every moment of that journey. And it's something nobody can take away in her life. Why? Because she knows the Savior even deeper. And sometimes in our lives, guys, as he's the door, nothing is going to hurt us unless it's Father filtered and so that we can learn, Lord, where's your presence in this? You know, Santos taught in James, right? He said what? Count it all joy. That's a hard verse. Why? I've never, I've never gone through a trial and said, yay, I'm just so joyful. I'm in the middle. What's wrong? I'm in the midst of a trial. Everybody happy? Yes. I've never done that. Right? Because that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you're happy in it. It just means that you know who your Savior is and the purpose it's designed to do. Pastor, are you there yet? I wish I was. But the next trial that I get into, I want to go, God, where's your presence? I want to see your face in this because it allows me to know you in a way that I've, I've not known you. I've not known you. Think about this. God's perspective is different from ours. His is ultimately eternity 
And a lot of times he's not just about the here and now. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18 says this. Notice what he says. It says, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Why is that? For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce in us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. We don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Why, Pastor? For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. Do you see that? Do you see that? Why? Here's why. Here's the comfort I want you to. Jesus says, I am, I am the door. I am the door. Nothing, nothing is going to go through that door. It has to go through me to hurt you. Do you ever hear that expression, over my dead body? Do you ever hear that? That's not going to happen, over my dead body. I, think in the, I like that in this context because that's exactly what our Lord and Savior is saying. He says, the, the enemy goes, I'm going to hurt you. And Jesus says, over my dead body, you're not getting through here. You are not going to hurt them. You're not going to hurt them. I'm going to, I'm going to lay down right here. And I, you know what? And I've got it. What do I got? I've got a sling. I've got a staff, but I also got a rod. You guys remember what the rod was? It was a long stick with nails sticking out on it. You, you come and try to hurt Bob. I'm, I'm going to hurt the wolf. I'm going to hurt them. You're going to try to hurt Kevin? Uh-uh, you're not hurting Kevin. Kevin's my sheep. He hears my voice. And that's what he says. Over my dead body, nothing's going to hurt you. Nothing's going to go through in that thing, right? No one's going to get through that. So Jesus being the door says what? It protects of, It speaks of protection and safety. Okay? Church, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that, that, that he is the door and he's going to protect you, he's going to love you, he's going to, he's going to provide for you? If you are a sheep, where do, where, where, where do, you, where do you eat? Right? Because you guys remember this. Remember sheep? Oh, they're dumb, right? Sheep will keep eating grass until it eats dirt and then eats dirt until it gets sick and then it'll eat dirt until it dies. What's the shepherd's job? Protection, safety, but to lead you into green pasture so that you could eat real well. He wants you to feed you well, right? That speaks of provision. If you've given your life to Jesus, do you really believe that he's going to provide for you every step of the way? He's your provision. He's the shepherd. He's the shepherd. Now, a lot of us go, uh-huh, uh-uh, I'm scared, I don't know. But, but think about it, guys. If he's going to not allow the enemy to hurt me, He's not going to allow me to, to not eat inside the sheepfold. He's not going to, he's not, he's going to say, okay, you guys slept okay? You slept okay? Okay, come on, let's go. There's some great food over here. And I'm going to bring you over here. I'm going to give you, Gio, don't get too far away from me. Get back here. Come on, you, you stay, stay real close. Stay real close. Okay. Tim, you okay? Tim's okay. Well, okay. Everybody's in. And, and, he, and, he, and he brings good food. And then when it's time, he says, okay, let's go back. Let's go back, right? If he has to get resources, where does he go, church? He goes to the city sheepfold. Okay, I'm going to put you in with these guys, but when I call you, you come. So he says, I am the door, and he says, I am the good shepherd. Look at verse 11, okay? Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd, right? 
the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, before we jump into our study, I want to unpack this verse a little bit, okay? Because this is the fourth of the seven I am statements made by Jesus, okay? If you're a pretty fast writer and you want to write these down, I'll try to go slow. But number one, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That's number one. And then later on, you've been with me. He says, I am the light of the world. That's the second one. Then last week and even this morning, we saw, he says, I am the door. I am the door. Then the fourth one is what we're learning. He says, I am the good shepherd. Those are four. Now, let me give you the other three just for future reference. He's going to go on to say in our study in John, I am the resurrection and the life. Number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then number seven of the great I am statements, he says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. A lot of I am statements. Well, the other day I was on Facebook. Don't judge me. I know you were too. And I was going through, and Paul Gonzalez, who comes to first service, he had something. And and every time I see something on Facebook that I like, I, I like to steal it. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, that's good. And I'll hit save. But this is what I found. I thought this was really cool. Okay, on Paul Gonzalez's news feed, he said this, science says that as humans, we need four basic elements to survive. You go, what are they? The first one is water. Okay, we all need water to survive. The second is air, obviously. The third is food. And the fourth is light. Science says in order for you to live, you need what? Help me. You need Air, food, and light, okay? Now, think about it. Without water, I don't know how long. I think you could go 40 days without food before things get really, really weird. But I don't think you can go very long without water. Just a few days, okay? Air, you can't go very long without air, right? A couple of minutes, if you're really good, you know, if you can hold your breath really good. But other than that, you're going to pass out and... You'll be, we can't live, can I get an amen on that? We can't live without air, food, we got to eat, right? We got to eat. I find it interesting, right? Have you ever gone to the fridge, you're hungry? Have you ever gone to the fridge, open the fridge and look in there and go, we don't have anything to eat. Have you ever done that? And you have tons of food there, you just don't want it. Anyway, that's neither here or there, that's just my thoughts. And then we need light, right? Well, that's what science says that we need. Look at what the Bible says about Jesus. Here's, here's Jesus, right? He says, I am the living water. I am the breath of life. I am the bread of life. And he says, I am the light of the world. And you know what I say? Amen, science, you got it right. We all need Jesus to live. But here's my thought. Here's my thought, right? When it comes to Jesus and you begin to witness to people about Jesus... What's their thought? Oh, I don't need him. Listen, I'm good. I mean, that's religion to you. Listen, don't get, you're like, you're like a Jesus freak. You're like overly zealous. I don't, listen, Jesus is cool. Amen. Good for you. But if I were to take that same person and said, hey, listen, hey, bro, I'm going to take away your light. I'm going to take away your food. I'm going to take away your water and I'm going to take away your air. This person's going to fight me because he needs those things to live. But when I tell them about Jesus, it's a whole different reaction. And yet that's the very thing we need to have life. 
Jesus told us that he came to give life and life more abundantly. You know what abundantly means? To the max. To the max. And here's my plea to you guys. Listen, a lot of us are simply existing. We get up, we do the same things, we ate the same Cheerios every morning, we do the same thing, and we feel like we're existing, and God's going, no, 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 listen, I've come so that you can have life, and there's so much more I want to do in your life. Abundantly. That's what it's all about. Science was right. We need Jesus to live. But back to verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, number four. But what does the good shepherd do? Ready? Here's what, I want you to, here's what I want you to get. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Okay? Everybody see that? You've got to, you've got to see this. It's going to make a lot of sense. Look at the word for. For the sheep. If you're taking notes, you'll want to take this down. Okay? Jesus will say this four times in this passage, in this text. What is he going to say? I lay down my life for the sheep. I give my life for the sheep, okay? Now, in order so I know that you get this, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, for. For. I got it right? I'm giving my life. Help me. I'm giving my life. I'm giving my life. The sheep. You go, Ben, why is that important? Here's why. Every night, the shepherd would lay down his life as the door. You go, how so? Okay, your attention, please. This is, this, this is the country sheepfold. Here's the gate right here. Here's the door. The shepherd would not stand guard like this. Why? Because the sheep could come out, they could sneak out, and, and the enemy and the wolves could sneak in. So he would literally lay down his life for the sheep. Why? Well, it was a very, very dangerous job. And you go, what do you mean? Now, listen, in your minds, when you think about being attacked, you think about one wolf maybe attacking and trying to get to the sheep. You realize that they run in packs. He would often lay down his life. Now, he could fight, you know, he could fight one-to-one. He could try to run off a wolf. But think about this. If a pack of wolves attacked, he could lose his life. Now, here's the other thing, too. When he says, I'm going to lay down my life, I want you to see this. Oftentimes it would be hard for him to get up and even fight standing up because that would make the sheep even more vulnerable for a pack of wolves to get in. So he would continue to be the door to make sure that y'all are safe. He could lose his life. But you go, but Ben, you kept saying the word for. For. He gave his life for. What, what do I need to do? Well, if you have a pencil handy, circle that word, guys. It's a very important word. Why? Because it's, in the, it's the Greek word hoper. Hoper. You go, what does it mean? If you were to understand, it's, it's, it's this. It means on behalf of, instead of, in place of. That's what that word means in the Greek. You go, so what's he saying? Jesus is declaring, now remember who he's speaking to. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. Now, the Pharisees are going, what are you trying to say? He says, the good shepherd lays down his life, hoper. Hoper, what is that? On behalf of, in what? Instead of, in the place of the sheep. You go, what does that mean? Okay, jot this down. This is what we call... um, substitutionary 
or vicarious atonement. That's what this doctrine is. The doctrine is um, vicarious atonement, substitutionary atonement. You go, Ben, what does it mean? Jesus will lay down his life as a substitute for ours. So we don't have to die for our own sins. You see how important that word is? Jesus wasn't going, yeah, I, I, I want to show you a picture. I want to illustrate a picture. I laid down my life for this. Everyone would have went, I know exactly what that means. But he uses the Greek word hoper, which means I'm going to. Here's what he's saying. I am the good shepherd. And see, Kevin has a bunch of sins, but I'm going to take them on me. I'm going to die as a substitute on behalf of Kevin. On behalf of Santos. You guys see? That's, it's, it's, it's instead of. Now, you go, why is that important? Here's why. Because Jesus chose the word hoper. We need to understand, guys, there's a lot of people who think Jesus was a good man or that he was just really famous or what a wonderful prophet he was. Here he's saying, no, 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 listen, you need to understand. I am both, both man and God. I am God in the flesh, and I'm the only one who can die in place of the sheep. If that doesn't bring joy to you, I don't know what will. I mean, to me, that's like, are you serious? Why? Because, guys, here I am before Jesus, and I'm carrying the weight of my sin on me. Okay, what am I supposed to do? Listen, I know... Um, I think I'll be good enough and maybe I can get some of these things that are not, I'll be good. I'll just try to be really good. I can never take them off. But Jesus says, no, 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 here, Ben, let me take that. I'm going to die in place of you and then those will be forgiven and they'll be washed clean. And you go, wow. So I can stand straight up. So, so you're telling me that the mistakes I've made, they're, they're gone? Yeah. But you don't understand what I did over here. Back in whatever date you want to choose, I really messed up here. I didn't act like a Christian. I wasn't a Christian. I was just really, ah. God says, that's gone. That's gone. That's gone. Well, what about today? Well, your sins are gone today. Really? What about my future sins? What about, what about, I mean, you know, because, listen, I walk pretty holy, you know what I mean? But there are sometimes I just have, you said, those are gone too. Amen, that's right, those are gone. All my sins are gone. That's what Jesus is saying. He's telling us, listen, hope here on behalf of, your sins are gone. Jesus. Well, now, what he does, guys, is he contrasts the true shepherd with a hired hand. We call it a hireling. Now, here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus is only going to speak on two verses about the hireling, okay? And then he's going to go back to proclaiming who he is, the one true shepherd, okay? So here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus will say, by the way, I'm the true shepherd. I am the door. Everybody got that? I'm going to talk to you in two verses, get to the point, and then I'm going to come back to what I really want you to know, okay? Look at it with me, guys. Verse 12. But a hireling is he who is not a shepherd. Okay, that's the first thing we learn about him. He's not a shepherd. One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not 
care about the sheep. Guys, do you see that? Here's the contrast. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and all those around him, and he goes, oh, by the way, I am the good shepherd, but let me tell you, there's, a, there's somebody else called the hireling. He's not a shepherd. He's not a shepherd, okay? This is a guy who is called, who's in it for the money. He's in it as a hired hen. He doesn't care about the sheep. As a matter of fact, let me give you guys, let me give you um, let me give you some characteristics, but first, the attitude of the hireling is really simple. What is it? The attitude of the hireling is, I'm no savior. If the wolf comes, I'm out. I'm out. Why? Because he's a part-time shepherd who's in it for the money. You go, well, Ben, what is the characteristics of a hireling? Number one, he flees in the face of danger. He flees in the face of danger. Notice he says, the hireling does not lay down his life for the sheep, He's probably sitting, okay? Now, understand, understand, okay? Out in the country sheepfold, all you have is the light of the moon. If you, I mean, there you are, and, and so there you are, and you're going, okay, I'm not getting paid very much on this, Kevin. I just, I don't know, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just protect the sheep because that's my job. So he hears the sheep, right? And all of a sudden, he hears a pack of wolves. Guess what he does? Peace! You know, he's out of there. He doesn't care. He doesn't have a relationship. He, he flees in the face of danger. All he hears is the wolf, and he says, I'm gone. I'm gone. Number two, he doesn't care about the sheep. He doesn't care about the sheep, guys. Why? They're not his. They're not his. Remember, the shepherd knew the sheep so well, they were like pets, and he knew them by name. And he knew their characteristics, and he knew their... He knew their funny side, and he knew them, right? But the hireling doesn't. The hireling goes, I don't know who those are. I don't know. What's he going to do? He's going to go back to the boss and go, hey, listen, there was a pack of wolves. Uh, I couldn't save them. Well, what did you do? I ran. Well, why did you run? Well, those aren't my sheep. Number three, he doesn't have a heart for the sheep. Live or die makes no difference as long as I get paid as long as I get paid. Think about it, guys. Think about it. The shepherd, the shepherd knows his sheep. He knows them. He knows what they're like. Okay? Here's what I love about Calvary. Now, this is not to say anything about any other church, but the way we were taught as Calvary Chapel is that, is that when God put a city in your heart, that's the city you were going to shepherd. Every time, it's so funny. Every time that uh, that a friend of mine will ask me to go preach at their church, and I'm gone for a, a Sunday or two, there's a there's a lady in our church who always thinks that I might be looking for another church. Where were you? Where were you? You know, because because the norm is here's how you do: you go and you start off with a small church, and people look around and go, "Well, Ben's such a wonderful, gifted, amazing evangelist. Why is he just teaching in a small church? He should get a bigger church." And so there goes Ben, and he puts out his resume. And, oh, and someone from Dallas says, I've got a slightly bigger church, and so there I go. And now I'm, I'm preaching at a church in Dallas, but then this church is a lot bigger, so I'm going to put my resume in here. And if it, now, now, I'm not knocking that. I'm telling you what we do. Okay, what we do is we go, listen, we're, we're, here's what happens. If I start off here, I don't, I don't know the sheep. 
I'm just starting. And I know a few people, how's it going? How are you doing? Oh, but I'm, I'm looking forward. And so then I meet this church and I'm staying there for two years and I don't know the sheep. And, and you guys see my point? By the time you get, you don't really know the sheep. But as a pastor, as a, as a shepherd, I know the sheep. What do you mean? I have the joy of, of knowing you guys. Of doing life with you. You go, what do you know? Hey, I know Noah. Did you know Noah's a, he's, he's our resident actor? Did you know that he can act? He can. We saw him. He did very well. I want to push him towards that. He did amazing. How do I know that? Because I know my sheep. I know my sheep right there. I know my sister. I know she can sing. Right? I know. Did you know that she can play the piano? She can play the piano too. How do you know that? I know. Because I know my sheep. You know what I'm saying? Right? I don't know if you know this or not. My brother Santos here, right? Did you know that he's, he, he, he knows how to bass fish really well? I don't know how to bass fish really well. But if I want to learn, I'll go to him. How do I know that? Because he's my sheep. He's my sheep. Did you know my brother Bob here? He can change out a ballast. Did you know that? How do you know that? He's my brother. You see, the shepherd knows his sheep. He rubs elbows with them. He spends time with them. He gets to know them. Didn't know we have a resident coach here. We can talk. How do I know this? My sheep. You spend time. You get to know people. That's what, that's what he's saying. The hireling doesn't know people. He comes in, and again, that's what we want to do, guys. We, we not only want to have a good teacher, but we want a pastor with a shepherd's heart. And the shepherd's heart, we should have assistant pastors with hearts that belong to the shepherd. They want to shepherd the people. Jesus says that's the hireling, but he doesn't want to dwell on that. He comes back and he wants to get back to the purpose. Look at verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know and I laid down my life for the sheep. Now, here's what I want to draw your attention to real quick. What sheep is Jesus talking about? Okay? You go, I thought he was just talking about sheep. Where did Jesus come? He came to save the lost sheep of Israel. Okay? So he's talking about the Jewish people. That's where he's at. He's talking about the Jewish people. You go, well, Ben, if Jesus came to the lost sheep of Israel to save them, where do I fit in? You are not Jewish you are Gentiles, okay? Now, some of you might have some Jewish blood in here. I get that, but predominantly you're Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. But Jesus says, I haven't left you out. Look at the next verse, guys. Look at verse 16. He says, the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, a better word is flock, them also I must bring. Why? Because they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Did you guys catch that? He doesn't leave us out. Amen. Amen. Right? He's not, you go, well, okay. So he's saying the Jews are my flock and the, how does this happen? How does this happen? He tells us, Okay, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 13. Let me read it to you because it explains who we are. And then we'll finish up our text. He says this. 
Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 13 says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. And we go, yep, I remember that. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. Now, let me say this to you. Do you realize that the Jews thought that the only reason God created Gentiles was to keep the fires of hell burning? That's how they looked at us. Well, the only reason you're alive is because we need to keep the fires of hell burning. That's how they looked. The Jews had this elitist, and now Jesus goes, no, 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 I'm here to reconcile all of you into one flock. How so? Again, he said, this is what they thought by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, although it only affected their bodies, not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises that were made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Here's what Jesus done. He's brought us together, both Jew and Gentile. Verse 16 of that same passage says this, together as one body. Guys, we're one body. Christ reconciled both groups to God. How? By means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. We are the other sheep. We are the other sheep. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. He didn't forget about us. He goes, there's the other sheep. There you are. And then in verse 17, he says, therefore, my father loves me. Because, there it is again, guys, I lay down my life that I might take it again, okay? No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And he says, I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command that I received from my father. Think about this. Think about the country sheepfold again. Here's the door. Here's what Jesus just said. Jesus said, nobody's making me lie down to take care of y'all. I do it willingly. And I have the power to lay down my life, and I have the power to take it up again. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I have that power, right? What do we call that church? You ready? Here's an extra extra sermon for you. It's called resurrection power. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, where does he live? In you. In you. You guys have resurrection power, right? To do what? Man, to glorify the Lord, to to look at life so much better. You have resurrection. Where is the resurrection power inside you, right? It's inside you. It's inside you. Now, my sister over here heard this on Wednesday, but I'm going to share it with you, okay? Because the Lord keeps prompting me, okay? keeps prompting me. The other day, I was at Walmart, and there I was. I was shopping, right, getting a few things that we needed, and and uh, I was going through, and it came to the section, you guys know the section, right, where it says clearance, right? There's always a clearance aisle, okay? And in the clearance aisle, guess what it is? It's stuff that's marked down. Why? What happens to it? Well, the label's off. It could be dented, or maybe it's just dented and the label's still there. But nonetheless, somebody thought, because this is not a, this is something is wrong with this, we have to mark it down. You guys with me? You guys, you guys shop at the clearance? You guys know, right? So if you'll go over here and you'll pick up, let me just use this. You pick up a, a can of peaches that's perfect on the outside. You say, oh, okay, this is, this is $2. Okay, I want peaches. I'm going to pay $2. And there you go. 
oh, wait a minute, here's a can of peaches, but the label's a little off and it's dented, but it's the very same can, but this is a dollar. What's the difference? Price is different, but it's just dented. Somebody made a label of this and said that it's not, it's not the same as this. But if I were to open this can for $2 and this can for a dollar, guess what, are, what, what I'm saying? They're both the same thing. Don't let your mistakes define you. And have someone mark you down and tell you that you are less than what God sees you to be. Because you've got resurrection power. I don't care what the can looks like. Inside you is the same God here than he is here. Don't let the world define you and mark you down. Do not let the world say, well, you're less than because you did this. Don't let the world define you because you've got a little, a little ding or a little bruise or a little dent because the same thing, what counts is, you guys got to help me on this one, what's on the, that's what counts, isn't it? And if the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in me, amen, amen. Well, let's close our Bible study with this, guys. What's the reaction? Jesus said, he's the good shepherd, I'm the door, he's just, our reaction should be, amen, thank you, Lord, you died for me. We should be rejoicing, right? Right? We should be excited. We should be lining up to be baptized. Jesus, you just, it's, it's hoop hair, you died in my stead, amen, 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 this is good, life is good, heaven is taken care of, Jesus, thank you, amen. What's the reaction? Well, it's not the reaction we get. Look at the reaction, verse 19. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of the same. Here's what they said. And many of them said, he has a demon, he is crazy. He is mad. Why do you listen to him? You see the reaction? Jesus poured out his his heart. He tells them, listen, I am the one that the sheep hear my voice. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to offer you protection and providence. I'm going to offer you safety and stability. I'm going to love you. I'm going to give you my, my spirit inside you. And people go, don't listen to him. He's cuckoo. That's not the reaction we were hoping for, was it? That's not the reaction we were hoping for. It says there was a division, right? And once again, Jesus is shown to do what? The dividing line of humanity. Humanity divides between accepting and rejecting Jesus, and that's what it comes down to. Last week's title was, Do You Hear What I Hear? And the point is, is do you hear his voice? Do you really hear his voice? I'll tell you why, church. Listen, it's not about coming to church. It's not about a church attendance. It's about really walking with the shepherd. I said this in first service, and here's my thought, guys. How are you going to stand before a holy God and show him your church attendance as by way of entrance? Lord, I, I, I only missed a few. Can I come in? What? Or how about our service records? 
Lord, I served. I, I went out here. Guys, that's not what it's about. It's about do you hear his voice? Because the question he's going to ask you, he's going to say, hey, what did you do with my son? Are you kidding me? He was my bear. He died instead of me. He goes, amen. Do you believe in him? I do. He's my God. He's my Savior. He's my best friend. Are you kidding me? I don't go a day without talking to him. People think I'm crazy because I'm always talking. But I'm talking to Jesus. And he answers me. And he says that he loves me. And he's got a great plan for my life. The world says I'm a dented can. I don't deserve to be on the shelf with the other cans. But you know what I say? I've got the same stuff on the inside. And I'm not going to let the world define me. I'm going to let Jesus define me. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for John 10. We thank you that you're the good shepherd. You're the door. What an amazing study it is, Lord. We lay down our lives. You lay down your life for us. You protect us. You provide for us. We give you our lives. We give you our hearts. We love you, Lord. It's in your beautiful name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.